Welcome to Draft Sickos, the show where we cover everybody from the biggest stars to the deepest sleepers. I am Maxwell Baumbach, joined at this time by the real star of the show, Stephen Gillespie. Stephen, how are you doing today? Maxwell, I'm doing awesome, dude. It's uh, it's the time of year where I'm glad that college basketball is back because I feel like we can just like really nitpick guys um, that we haven't seen play so far this draft cycle, and we're kind of evaluating their past performance, projecting how they're going to do this year. And then we still got international play. There's just like a a really big inhale before I think we're about to, you know, hit a big sprint in terms of uh, scouting. But how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's been like a nice low key weekend. Like I kind of mm-hmm. strategically planned this ahead. Like I, I took a week off of the gym, took a week off everything to just like sleep in and, and get recharged and get ready. And I, I'm just, I'm so with you, man. Like I'm, I'm tired of the wait and see, and I'm tired of the like, all right, well, I watched this guy's film this summer, and now we're just kind of waiting and waiting. Like, I am more than ready for the games to get here. But how was, how was your weekend? How has last week been for you? Oh, man, just uh, today we did a uh, – my oldest, too. I'm looking for stuff to do with them. And during the week with, the, you know, what I do for a living, it's kind of hard. Mm-hmm. So I really try to take advantage of the weekend. So we went to a uh, an actual Pokemon League that takes place here in our town. And the the woman that hold that hosts it, she's a real sweetheart. And she is no kidding like a Pokemon professor. There are people that get certified through like an actual Pokemon League. Uh, they have different titles. They're able to host tournaments, like have gym leaders and all that kind of stuff. So stuff that I would have went bananas for, you mm-hmm. know, whenever I was their age. And uh it was cool just to kind of go. They got to build their own decks and uh, they got a bunch of free stuff. Like it was just like That's the great. ultimate. It was like the ultimate cool like dad experience where I just got to take them out and they got to go have fun for a few hours. But uh, it was a good time, man. I'm looking forward to doing that with them during the weekends. How about you, man? That's awesome. It's I like I said, like I've <laughs> I've been doing nothing. I was like a little just sick. nothing at all, huh? No, no. We <laughs> we stayed home. We took it easy. I was like super super sick or uh like at the midpoint of the week so i'm just like glad to be feeling better my face is finally clearing out we got humidifiers on and we're doing everything we can to uh mm-hmm. feel better over here beat the allergies beat the uh the little flu bug kind of thing that we had so i'm just i'm just glad to be podcasting and, and talking ball and ready for college basketball to get here so this is gonna be the last episode of the prospect preview series it's done yeah after this and we're gonna kind of <laughs> go into our normal format uh, after after this so after this we're going to go to uh weekend winners so uh in the future we're going to kind of cover like hey here's what just happened this past week here the guys that won the week um across the draft landscape we'll do a feature focus talking about the guys that we've been spending a lot of time on for our written work and then we'll we'll do the sicko stuff too we got the sicko session we'll each got to pick a guy further down the board that maybe in the last week or so caught our eye that, that we want to talk about and we've got some of that on this episode too we kind of each mm-hmm. picked a guy at the end and you got me doing some film work on a guy I'd been kind of sleeping on a little bit too much and uh, hope I did the same for you. So let's get into it. The The first player we're going to cover tonight is um, Milo Uzan from Oklahoma, a player I had the, the chance to interview and write a feature about. I've done a lot on Uzan. I'm, I'm pretty high on him. So I want to get your opinion first and just see kind of where we differ, get that kind of, you know, somebody else's perspective on it. Where are you at with Milo Uzan? Yeah, so first off, just want to point out some some numbers for him real quick. You know, about eight points per game, three assists, three boards, shot 47, 41, 77. 
His uh his shooting numbers look pretty outstanding, Maxwell. 94th percentile in the catch in catch and shoot, 74th in spot ups overall. Obviously, very good shooter. I like that he can finish in the paint. Um, I like his build a lot. I think that he's gonna be one of these guys that um, even though he's undersized, I think that he can perform well. I think that he's gonna be durable. I like his passing ability a lot, man. Uh love his just overall court awareness. I feel like he's gonna be one of these guys and it's important for these guards that are going through college coming into the NBA that they can play with the ball in their hands, that they can organize and orchestrate the offense, but they can play off of other people as well. And at Oklahoma, Milos is going to be asked to do that again this year with some of the people that they brought in. Um, 65th percentile in defending the pick and roll ball handler. So if you're looking for some uh, signs of hope that he is going to be able to hold his own on the defensive end, I think that he is more than capable of doing that. I'm really looking to see the work that he put in this offseason kind of come into fruition. A rebounding rate, though, Maxwell, we talk about it all the time, even with guards, right? Like rebounding rate is typically a good indicator of how players translate up in terms of how they will produce in the NBA. He's pretty low from his last season. Hopefully that's uh, kind of like a role thing and not so much a, a uh, what he is capable of, so to speak. Um, that being said, those couple little things that I mentioned on the defensive side of the ball, the rebounding rate, I have them 19th on my board, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do have questions, though. Uh, I'll pose one to you. How do we feel about his athleticism, his passing, and his shooting, all three of those things translating yeah. up? Because that's going to be kind of the crux of where he's valued at among NBA front offices. For sure. And I think like, I think that's a great question too, because like specifically those are the things that we've been harping on with a lot of these guards lately. Right. Like those are three things that are really important. I think, I think he's like a solid athlete. I don't think he's a great athlete. And like, I, I think he's a little limited vertically uh, comparing him to like super high end guards. I think that's going to be one of the things that might hurt his outcome a little bit. Um, But one thing I, I've been working on a lot recently is just like, data charts and data projects and things like that and i think that one thing that stands out about him is that he he pressures the rim a ton like comparing his rates of like his percentage of shots at the rim compared to like other guards like it's a lot like he's up there with like really athletic guards like he's in the same vicinity as guys like Dejounte murray Jaden ivy like gary payton the second as far as like what percentage of his shots are coming at the rim in the half court um, yep. I think he has a lot of ways to compensate for it, right? Like, I, th- I think he's good with both hands at the rim. Um, I think he has really soft touch. And I think his setups just to get there are really great. Like, he's so good at manipulating ball screens. And, you know, whether it's reusing a screen or rejecting a screen or just finding different ways to to keep defenders off balance and get where he wants. And I do think he's got enough slither and shiftiness to kind of get where he wants and he's not super weak like he does he's not a guy that like he's under 200 pounds but he doesn't get like totally knocked off his spot or have to pick up his dribble when he gets bumped so i i i worry about the athleticism to a point but i don't think it's a good deal breaker with him because i think he's good enough at the things to compensate for it that i think he's going to be fine the shooting is interesting right because he shot like 40 percent from three so if you're just hearing that percentage it's like oh great we're we're in business um the big issue with that was the volume was really low like he took 4.7 yeah. per 100 possessions so um again just kind of data wise to uh give a comparison for that like that's like what like some of these and some of these guys did end up shooting but that's like around like what Dejounte Murray Iota Sunmu De'Anthony Melton like 
Gary Payton the second, like guys that kind of had questions about their shot. Like that's how many that those are the guys that were in that vicinity when they were in college. Mm-hmm. So he's got to take it more aggressively. And he did take more of them throughout the year. And that was something that I asked him about specifically was it seemed like the volume increased late in the year. And it was just a matter of him kind of adjusting to more of an off ball role next to Grant Sherfield and knowing like, Hey, I've got to take more of these. Um, I think we will see a volume uptick. And I, I do think he can shoot it off the, off the catch. And even if a guy's volume numbers are low, something I've started to notice in my research a lot is if you do shoot well off the catch, it's, it's generally a good sign, even if like, yeah, the volume isn't crazy. So I'd like to see him add more to his pull-up game. Cause I think again, that would help him with getting to his spots, but I think that stuff is there. Um, the passing stuff I, I, I think is awesome. So yeah, I really like the setup. I think the defense is like fine. Like, I, I don't think the defense is like notable one, one way or another with him. I think it's fine. Um, but yeah, I think, I think the athleticism is a bit of a concern, but I do think the shooting and like the finishing playmaking stuff will be enough to get him over the hump. Yeah. I, I'm, obviously I'm a believer in that too, man. You know, like mm-hmm. I said, I got him in the top 20 coming in big fan of just like his uh, spatial awareness on the offensive side of the ball, you know, knows where his teammates are, where they're trying to get to very familiar with where they are comfortable getting the ball. And uh, you know, I would like to see the, I would like to see him kind of dominate, you know, more pick and roll actions. And again, with Oklahoma having, you know, they're bringing in uh, JV McCollum yeah. to play alongside of him as well. I think that's going to open the floor up for him a lot to operate as a ball handler and kind of vice versa. So being mm-hmm. able – I think that this is a perfect opportunity for him to be able to show what all guards eventually have to do in the NBA right now, Maxwell, is they got to play on and off the ball kind of uh, equally. You know, they got to have that well-balanced attack, and I think that we're going to get a, the perfect chance to see what he looks like in that type of a system this year at Oklahoma. I, I agree. I think that's like a, a really exciting team. Um, and I'm, I'm really interested to see what that backcourt looks like. Uh, let's get to our next guy here. It's, it's Deron Holmes at Dayton, six foot 10, two twenty five. Um, He was a guy who tested the waters last year, ended up going back to school. Um, a guy that I feel like I go back and forth on a lot. Like, I feel like there are days yeah. where like, I really buy Deron Holmes and like, I just love what he's bringing to the table. And then other days where I'm like, I don't, I don't know what, what the sell here is like i i it's tough for me and i, I hate saying this yeah. when i watched him in person I, so i saw him in person last year but it was against a wyoming team that was an injured wyoming team and wyoming was bad last year so he was playing guys Hunter like, yeah 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 so like the guys that were guarding him had like my level of foot speed so it's one of those games where oh, he wow. dropped he scored like 20 but it's like well yeah of course he scored 20 <laughs> so i it was like the worst game i could have seen to see him in person to, to get an evaluation on him but uh, yeah, interesting player. He's going to be a junior at Dayton next season. Um, it feels to me like there is a chance that he just kind of quietly tears it up this year because I feel like I feel like there are guys sometimes where there's like all these big expectations for them coming to their sophomore season. It doesn't happen. And then like that doesn't mean it's over. And like Ochai, yeah. like prime example, where like every year it was like, all right, Ochai, like here, here we go, here we go. And it didn't happen. And then all of a sudden it's like a senior. He exploded. Um, with Ron Holmes at 6'10", really good mobility. Um, I think that's like the big selling point with him is that he, he feels like he could be a guy in time as his frame fills out that you can throw on the court defensively in the playoffs and nobody's going to be able to like play him off of the court because of how well he's able to move. Um, he is a plus passer, I would say for his position, but it feels like his passing stagnated a little bit last season. Um, like there wasn't like many new wrinkles, I guess I would say to his game. They post him up a lot 
I had a hard time evaluating Dayton as a whole last year because like they didn't have a real point guard most of the year. Mm. So like they posted him up a lot. Obviously, it's not going to be his NBA role. But I also worry, like, is that what you want to do? Or like, would you rather be doing roles? Or is this just like the system that you're in? I, I, I think that would be interesting to find out. Um, but because when he is a role man, like he's really efficient at it. He's really good. And I think that is kind of going to get the best out of him. Uh, would like to see him be a little bit more physical on a consistent basis on those screens. Um, I do think he's a really cerebral player, though. Like in that game I mentioned, yeah. that I saw him in person, like he hit a three and then like, the next time he caught the ball in the perimeter, like the defender was like, Oh, I've got to close out hard now. And he just pump faked him and, and he didn't get a basket, but he drew a foul off of it. It's like, that's like the things you want to see is like immediate recognition, taking advantage and, and doing little things. Uh, took a couple more threes last year, uh, less than one a game, but 31% improved his free throw percentage quite a bit. Got to the line a lot. It sounds like people are from what I've heard are pretty bullish on how the shot looks this year. I think that could be a big, big swing factor in his game kind of fully modernize that offense a little bit um my concern with him is just what he does defensively around the basket i think he's he's pretty weak um for a big man and like guy shot around 52 percent around the rim against him and this is going to sound very reductive and very obvious um but like the big trend i've noticed in in my data work among bigs is that the bigs that stick are really good at scoring around the basket and really good at stopping other guys from scoring around the basket where like the bigs that he's closer to are more like four or five kind of guys, a lot. Of, and there are exceptions, right? Cause like around the rim defensive numbers, they're not perfect, but it's a lot more like John Collins, Isaiah Stewart, Thomas Bryant, Obi Toppin, Lori Markinen kind of guys. So it's like, yeah, well, if you don't have that kind of jump shot or that kind of offensive game and like John Collins is a much different player in college than he's becoming the pros, but I don't love that. Uh, and it's, it's obvious on the film too, just cause like he gets moved pretty easily. Guys get through his chest. Um, and he's going to have to do a lot more on the glass. Like I don't think he's a great rebounder. And last mm. year he had Jumani Kamar to compensate for that a lot. Like he had a six, eight dude that had an NBA ready body. who was 22 years old who could fly in and clean up for him. Uh, this year he's got to do that on his own. So I'm pretty torn on Deron Holmes. Like some days I like him early second. Some days I'm like, do I need to draft this guy? So where, where are you at with, uh, with Deron Holmes? Well, I'll start with, with saying that he's 26 on my board. Um, okay. I just, I'm, I'm a, I'm a believer in the things that he's really good at. Well, I'll, I'll go ahead and say this first off, you know, you're talking about a guy who had 18 points per game, eight rebounds, almost two assists, almost two blocks and almost one steal. 78th percentile in both post-ups and in cutting, right? So uh, not we're not just talking about a guy who likes to set up camp around the basket, a guy who can uh, make moves off of both setting a screen and just flashing to the basket, like very instinctive, very intuitive uh, mover away from the ball for his position. Um, to be honest, other than the three-point shot, I don't know what else he can really add that we haven't already seen from him, though, and that mm-hmm. – that can cause a little bit of stagnation in your draft stock too, right? I mean, when we're talking about guys coming back who tested the waters, we want to see them add something. I mean, we kind of had a similar conversation to think about TJD last year, right? Where it felt like, you know, we've already seen TJD. He keeps coming in. He He's going back. What else can he do? If Tumani can kind of have like that similar, you know, uptick at least in, let's say, uh, Play, you know, facilitating, you know, um, passing the ball around mm-hmm. a little bit, you know, not nothing crazy. You don't got to average like six or seven assists as the center, but talking about like three and a half assists, four assists, something like that for his position. Now we're talking about a completely different player, right? And again, talking about how cerebral 
Maxwell, like you said, that he is away from the ball and just being able to finish with consistency. I mean, this guy had 89 dunks on the year last season, right? So Mm -hmm. great finisher, good athleticism, three point shot kind of, I hope that it is becoming bullish because like you mentioned, it was under 31%. Um, Defensively, I'm kind of with you though. And this is where I think kind of the crux of his draft stock is going to kind of swing on is, is he, is he an anchor defensively? And if not, how kind of tricky of a system does he have to kind of be involved with on the defensive end? Because he's a really good weak side rim protector, but I don't know if he's a rim deterrent. And Mm -hmm. if that's kind of the lane that you're living in, he's 6'10", which is, you know, decent size, but it's nothing that's like earth shattering either. So if you're kind of 6'10", sub 230, sub 235, somewhere in that neighborhood, you're not really a great shooter. You're a pretty decent vertical athlete, but you're not really a rim protector the, the fit can be a little bit tricky, right? So that's why I kind of have him at the tail end of my first round because I do like him. And I do think that he can contribute a lot of good things. But the big thing that I'm going to be paying to in particular is the improvements that he makes on the defensive side of the ball instead of the offensive end. That's that's a good point. I, yeah, I, I think maybe that's that TJD kind of like comparison is an interesting one because sometimes it can just be like, not necessarily adding something new, but just getting like really good at stuff you can already do. Like with TJD too, it was like yeah. the junior year, like block total, right? Where it was like, oh man, okay. Like he's really sending shots away. Like it could be something as simple as that for Deron Holmes that, that kind of boosts his stock. Um, up next, you've got Kobe Johnson uh, from USC. Shout out to- uh, I love Kobe. Can I just say that? For, yeah. I, I'm, I think Before we, we even do. just get going, I, I love Kobe. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to uh, to Rowan Cat on our site who wrote a, wrote a really great piece on him. Uh, Kobe Johnson to me is like one of these guys where I, I get a little nervous. Like, am I falling for this guy too much, but you, you love him. So I'm going to kind of let you take the lead and I'll kind of give my thoughts on him as well. Is it the idea of him? Because it's just like, it could be, I just, he just, he just seems like a Hooper's Hooper, man. Like he, Mm -hmm. he moves way better than you would think that he does based on how he looks like I'm not caught. Doesn't. No shots of David Roddy. Like, obviously, he's doing good for himself. Yeah, yeah. He's made it to the NBA, and he's good. But he doesn't look like David Roddy. You know what I mean? Like, but he's not, like, cut up either. So, like, when you look at him, especially, like, the way that he's, like, physically built, you don't expect him to move the way that he does, but he still does, you know? And it's just interesting to see. He's a great finisher, incredibly strong, like, isn't afraid of contact, rated in the 83rd percentile in cutting, 71st percentile in the catch and shoot. Let's talk about, like, that diversity and skill set on the offensive end. On top mm-hmm. of that, he also has like some good feel with the ball in his hand too, which yeah. is very fun to see. Um, 65th percentile at the rim too. So um, I love his defensive instincts. I wouldn't necessarily classify him as like a defensive playmaker, but he plays good fundamental defense. And on top of that fundamental style of defense, he still had a pretty good steals rate as well, um, which typically translates up. I love his offensive playmaking, man, but... I got a question for you, Maxwell. Do you think that mm-hmm. the additions of like Bronny and Isaiah Collier kind of mute some of the best parts of his game this year? I think that's a fair question because it's that's my concern with him too, right? Is like I hate I hate the like there's only one ball kind of argument, but like I think from a prospect standpoint, it it can be a real issue. Like it's really hard for guys to to stand out um when you only have the ball so much. I think what yeah. I love about Kobe so much is I do think he has the like ideal complementary skill set for like a two slash yep. three wing, right? He's got some meat on his bones. He's not really slight. Like he's not going to get pushed around, 
Um, I I love the defense. Like his ground coverage for a player his size is fantastic. His balance is excellent. Um, the motor runs really hot. Like he's just one of those guys where he can really be all over the place. And like you said, it's it, there's like a real fundamental base to it, which like yeah. I think a lot of times you steal you see a steal rate like that, and you're like, oh, is this guy just kind of like running all over the place? And he's not. Like when he guards yeah. the ball, like, he's just really quick with his hands. Uh, and he's got some ups to him. Like he can block shots at times. Like I, I love what he does on the defensive side of the ball. Um, offensively. Yeah. Like I, I think he's a really smart player. Like you mentioned the cutting really good finisher. The yep. shots a little tricky just because like the volume was low, but he shot 36% from three last year, which is a big increase. 84% yep. free throw shooter. Maybe I'm just being a little, a little too like simplified with it. And granted, these guys had a much, much bigger offensive role, right? So it's not apples to apples. But guys like Iota Sunmu and like J Dub were both guys that like, eh, is he able to shoot it? Whatever. And like the Io's minutes have been kind of cut this year, so maybe he's not the best example, but like they they made their catch and shoot threes and they finished really well. And like the volume wasn't there, but it's like if you are just good at those catch and shoot shots. It can do wonders for you. And like all the other yep. connective stuff is there. I, I like Kobe Johnson's handle. I like how he sees the game on the go. He's got some like kind of live durable stuff to him. He's like a sneaky, good offensive rebounder for his position as well. Um, yeah, I, I just love what he can do in a role. I think, I think the phrase like connector and like connective player, like it's thrown around a little too much, but I think that's like truly yeah, what Kobe Johnson is. So. Like if, if other guys start the domino and, you know, get the defense rotating, get the defense moving, like he knows how to prey on that, whether it's just taking the shot, attacking, cutting, driving and going, like whatever it is, he knows how to keep that advantage alive. And I think that's such a great skill set. But I, I think there's something to what you're saying. I think with, Boogie Ellis is back. Boogie Ellis was awesome last season. He scored like 19 points a game. Like he's going to be there. He's going to need to eat. Isaiah Collier is going to want to eat. When Bronny gets in the lineup, they're going to want to give him some stuff too. Like there, it, it might be a little tough for him um, to get like the counting numbers and the volume up on his threes and some of the things that he probably needs to do to get that kind of first round buzz. Um, but I, I really like him a lot. And he's from a pro bloodline too. Like his brother... Jalen Johnson yeah. is having having quite the year, so that's always a nice thing to see too. I think don't mean to brag, but I had I had Jalen ninth on my board. I was a, oh, always afraid I was a little of skeptical until this year, but you know, and you like know. yeah, he's just one of those guys. I think now where it's like if you're that big and like the feel is what it is, and you play defense, like uh, it's probably not going to fail. Like you know what I mean? Like the, there's a pretty high floor on those kind of guys. We're learning so. Yeah. Oh, oh man. We had somebody, somebody in the chat saying I had to guard Kobe Johnson in high school. That's, that's brutal. The, uh, yeah. I apologize tough. for you that's having to do that, but it's a cool story though. Yeah. You know, like I never had to guard him. Thank goodness. No, but, I didn't have know. to thankfully. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> where's I, he at on your board? Can I ask? Yeah. I think I had him like early second. I think I had him around like 38, but like, I've got a lot of these. Returners. Why do you hate him? <laughs> I've got a lot of these returners kind of low. Like I'm kind of, I'm going to kind of let the freshman fail this year. That sounds cool, okay. but I, I I'm giving a lot of the freshmen an opportunity to start, kind of start high and, and go from there. I, I was having this conversation with somebody the other day. I've never been less married to my board to start the year than this year. And it's tricky. Cause like, I feel yeah. like I'm a much better value than I was a year ago, but this year it feels like there are so many more guys 
in that Julian Phillips type of tier where it was mm. like, oh, I kind of like this guy. I'm not quite sure it's going to work out. Yeah. Maybe it doesn't work out right away. Maybe he's really good. Maybe he's not good. Like, I feel like I have way more players like that in the freshman class than guys last year. It was like Anthony Black, where we had a conversation on the pod last year before the season started, where I was like, yeah, Anthony Black could have a bad season, and I'm taking him in the first round. Like, this kind of skill set in athleticism yeah. is like, yeah, I'm taking him in the first. Like, it is what it is. This kind of player doesn't fail. Doesn't feel like there's a lot of those guys this year. And even Kaysen was a guy, right? Where it was like, yeah, this guy's going to be good. It's just a matter of like He's how He's just good. boring. Yeah. yeah. Like, the, yeah, they, Rucker got so mad at us. For yes, he did. Saying that Kaysen Walls was boring. And like, but we loved him. Like, I, you know, Kaysen uh, is a lot of guy. But Albert called um, him a pair of scissors. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's, <laughs> I feel like this year there's just not a lot of those guys. So I'm going to kind of let some of them start high and, and we'll shake it out. And I, I think the returners are going to get a, a, a much more of a bump from me than the freshman. If, if this class is how some of the skeptics say with, with the guy like Kobe, I think one of the reasons I'm like 38 and not like 18 is just my fear of that kind of player. Right. Where it's like, if you're yeah. good in this role at the college level, like does that always scale up? Well, right. Like I, Matthew Mayer, when he had that one year at Baylor and everyone was like, Matthew Mayer, the year that won the national title and people he, like, he could go in the first round. And like, he ended up going back to school and kind of proved he wasn't that guy. I think there is real reason to be concerned about guys that like play a very complimentary role in college and wondering if that can scale up or not. I think that's totally fair. And I think what would be a fun exercise, you know, I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but yeah, I was actually thinking about this the other day is like, and this is very drastic approach, but I think it would be fun. It's like, Mm -hmm. should we do like a, your life is on the line board. Like, you have to not pick just mm-hmm. like on what's the probability Potential, factor yeah. that this dude could hit, you know, everything that he needs to, to be his mm-hmm. best version of himself. Like what would the, how different would your board be if like, uh, you know, yeah. if your job security was, yeah, this, yeah, so, yeah. To, so to speak, you know, I think that would be a fun exercise, man. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that I, I have been thinking about a lot too lately. Cause it's like, well, at this point in the year, I'm saying I would gamble on this guy, but I'm not sure if this, somebody i'd gamble on in three months but right now it's like i'm kind of into the upside of this guy over over a uh, kobe johnson but maybe yeah. i'm maybe i'm being too hard on kobe um <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna do a break we're gonna talk about a couple other guys after the break um real interesting mix like of guys yeah. that have been around the block for a while guys that we're anticipating big leaps from some you know mid-major guy in here it's a real fun group of three guys coming up so stay tuned we will be right back on the other side of the All right, let's lead off with Kevin McCuller, who is 6'7", uh, around 212. He is going to be at Kansas uh, this season uh, for the second year in a row. And he is an interesting player. I think I am quite low. I compared to a lot of people within our crew. So I'm going to let you lead off with Kevin McCuller and give me the sales pitch before I can kind of rain on the parade a little bit. Well... I have him 32nd on my board, so thank okay. you for the instilling a lot of confidence in, in where I put people on my board, Maxwell. Appreciate that. <laughs> it's um, not you; it's like everybody. Like I, like I feel like yeah. everybody had him had him draftable. Well, I'll put it to you like this, man. I I think that the reports that I've been seeing all off season, they even mentioned it in the broadcast for the Maui game, that really didn't mean anything in terms of on the court. 
repercussions. Obviously, it was a great event. You know, I wore my yep. my Hawaiian shirt just kind of you know show solidarity there. But the shot looks like it has been reconstructed, and he was getting all sorts of buckets again of against a very talented Illinois team, very strong, very athletic, eighty uh, second percentile, and cutting can impact the offensive side of the, of the ball without having the ball in his hands. But, you know, he gets involved in setting screens. He he flashes to the basket well. He's not afraid to mix it up on the glass. He's got good connective passing instincts. Uh, again, very good rebounder, which, again, is a very good NBA indicator. A good steal and block rate. Defensively, like this guy is the – what's the movie? Uh, Everything, everywhere, all at once. Like yeah, that yeah. is essentially how McCuller plays – basketball you mean good still good block rate and again 30 percent of three-point shooting last year i think that's literally the only thing holding him back and maxwell it feels like we always have a sprinkling of these guys in every draft class whereas if he could just add the shot mm-hmm. he will be all right and i think that that is kevin mcculler personified because literally everything else i think that he's got the intangible aspects to his game that Every NBA team is going to want, you know, he's very, he's a winner. He's competitive. He's a great teammate. He's always building his guys up. He's, you know, he's a very active communicator on the court. He doesn't shy away from big moments. He is a very accountable player. So you mix all the things together, the intangibles, the the toughness to his game, the willingness to do all the dirty work. Again, the shot mechanics look like they have cleaned up, especially in that Illinois game. And he is hitting. So, Maxwell, I'm just going to ask you. You're low on him. I have an early second-round grade on him. And I, I I will put out right now, he's susceptible to falling back a little bit. Mm-hmm. But is it just the shot that is holding you back on it? And that's a very big thing for yeah. his position now. But mm-hmm. is it just the shot kind of holding you back? It is. Um. So, yeah, so I, yeah, I agree with a lot of what you said about what he does well. Like, I think from just a competitiveness standpoint, like, there's no doubting him. Um, I also think, like, one thing that I do want to give him credit for is he moved so much better last season. Like, I know he had a lot yeah. of injuries that year at Texas Tech before this. And, like, every game that commentators were like, his shoulder has been dislocated 25 <laughs> times and, like, his knees are broken. Like, every game, it was like kind of like Jaime Hawkins that junior year at UCLA, where it sounded like he was just being held together by glue and tape. But, or last year, you for you it. wrestling fans out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> last year, he looked just so much better from a movement perspective. And where it really showed up was his rim finishing. Like, he was really good at the rim last yeah. season. And before that, like, you could just tell you no spring. Like, I, I, I was very impressed with what he did defensively last season. Um, because of his kind of bulk and strength, he's able to guard up a little bit. Really good on smaller players. Great tracking the ball. Um, I agree with the passing juice. Like he he's got some really good secondary initiating kind of stuff to him. I just worry a ton about the shot because it feels like every year it's like, oh, the shot's getting better. And then it doesn't, it doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, so we are now through four years of college yeah. per 100 possessions. He takes like five, which is, you know, my, uh, like a little below moderate volume, 29. Very humble, very humble um, three point shot my big concern is like, would you say he's probably like a forward at the next level or do you consider him more of like a two, three at the next level? I think he's a solid three. Okay. I think he could, I think he could flex depending on the matchup. I wouldn't yeah. rule him out as a two or a four at the next level. Okay. I think he's kind of like a flex three. So the guys who he was like 30.4% on catch and shoot threes last year. 
So I'm I'm like sorry, like I did so much work on my data yesterday that I'm like I'm keep going back to the keep going back to the sheets. Um, but a lot of guys that shot in that range or worse off the catch just have physical tools that he doesn't have. Like they're okay. guys like uh like Najee Marshall or Scotty Barnes or like Lamar Stevens, who's as big of a is a house, like Delano Stanton, yeah. who like is taller and had more playmaking juice and like maybe not as quick or defensively well-rounded, but like it has a lot of stuff or like Isaac Okoro, who's like better defender, stronger, more athletic Derek Jones. Like the guys that shoot in that range off the catch that stick, I feel like are just more athletic and like bigger than McCuller is. And that's kind of my concern with him. It's just like, it's gotta be better. Like the jump shot has to be better and I'm at a point now with like his graduate season where guys like him, guys like Terrence Shannon that have kind of been on the cusp for a long time and are now graduates. I'm kind of just like, I, would I, would I be better off? Like not even signing them to a two way, but finding like somebody else in the G league that was solid and getting them on a two way instead that it's at least mm. can do something at a professional level versus the guy that I'm waiting on to improve something in college for like the fourth, fifth year in a row. Like I, I, I'm just not there with, with McCuller. Um, I'm open to being wrong. Cause like you said, like everyone said the shot looked great. And I haven't seen that exhibition game, but people like he made the shots, obviously, but people said the guy test looked better. So if he does shoot like, yeah, that's a solid second round guy for me, but I think I'm just lower on how the rest of it translates to the next level. Um, let's go to another- And if I could just, can yeah. I just add just real quick? Um, we're on opposite ends of how we're coming in this season on him. Mm-hmm. And I am, I feel like I'm decently high. I'm not mm-hmm. like obscenely high or like willing to just like throw logic out the window. And I still have him in the second round. Right. Yeah, so yeah. like, I think that that is kind of noteworthy thing just to kind of point out where like, I'm looking at it like glass half full. You're a little bit more um, reserved in how you feel mm-hmm. about him coming into the year. And you, out of the two of us, I'm more high on him, and I still look at him as like an early second round guy. So yeah. I think that there is a lot to be said about that being kind of like the at the middle of our conversation here. Just like a fun hypothetical. Let's say the volume on the three stays the same, but it looks better mechanically. He shoots 40% from three. Oh man, it's where, over. Where do you take him? I'm probably because then, like, Obviously, he's probably like a playoff rotation. Like, I know that the sample size of like one season is still kind of yeah. scary, but it's like at that point, then are we getting like a Christian Brown thing where it's like, oh yeah, that's a guy that's like ready to play playoff minutes. Well, how about how about Kobe Brown, who's getting minutes already for the Clippers early on yeah. in the season? Who was the guy that you wrote about last year who took that took senior that shooting leap at like twenty three yep. years old? Yeah, exactly. Which yeah. I was and, very leery of, and I'm now just kind of like, well, the volume was higher. Like maybe it's not just that. I wouldn't be opposed to you know. Uh, I had Jaime Hawkes later than I probably should have, but you know, mm-hmm. I'd probably say similarly like to that like 23 to 30 yeah. window, like somewhere in there. I wouldn't be wouldn't be opposed to that, but mm-hmm. obviously it would depend on how everybody else is performing as well. For sure. Yeah. It's that uh, yeah, just, <laughs> just yeah. Like, obvious that'd, caveat. That'd be a very fun, yeah, just hypothetical. Uh so yeah. let's go to a guy who's sort of on the opposite side of this, right? Like a guy who is kind of proven like Kevin McCullough is like proven to be really good at stuff. Uh, this next guy is like proven in a very limited capacity at the college level, but a very exciting player. Terrence Arsenault 
at Houston, six foot six, two hundred five. A guy I was very high on uh, coming into yep. last season. He was the guy that was like preseason top twenty for me. Um, just didn't really kind of get a big role on a Houston team that was really good. Um, he still showed some stuff um, defensively. He was really impressive. Like I know defensive numbers on synergy aren't perfect, but like go to his defensive percentiles. They're all like 96th, 95th, 99th. Like that dude can defend posted a 2.9 steal rate, 1.4 block rate. And I think what stood out to me most on defense is like, he's just so imposing. Like he is so big and so long and just smothers people. Like he knows, he knows what to take away from guys. Like he knows where you don't want to go on the scouting report. Um, He's pretty strong and he's going to get up on you. I thought something that like was interesting to me is like, I don't even think his feet are very good defensively. Mm. Like I was stunned how many times his feet crossed on like isolation possessions and stuff like that. And opponents scored five points on 16 isolation possessions against him. Like it's just a lot of like tools and caring that, that he can impose on you and you're not going to score. And that's that. Um, he was great there. Like that's like the big thing, right? Offensively, he struggled a lot. Yeah. Um, he scored 16 points per 100 possessions, which was 3.7 per game in the 14 minutes a game that he played. Uh, he was a poor outside shooter. He was uh, 25% from three, 52% at the free throw line. Um, in his final EYBL season in high school, he shot almost 40% from three. So he has in the past like shot. And that was part of why I was buying. It was like, well, he's athletic. He can really shoot and he can really defend. The shot wasn't there. And I'm going to throw this up on, on the screen here from dirty dancer. Arsenal's handle still looks rough. Yeah. Uh, that, that guy, it's, it's kind of Alex fudge vibes. Like when he's got to put it on the deck, like he looks just really uncomfortable having to do, anything besides catch and shoot offensively. Um, so we need a really serious offensive leap here. Like I, I love what he does defensively. And I think he might be one of those guys where the defense is so good and the physical tools are so good that he might still be able to find a way to make it work. Even if he's not the best shooter in the world or has some pretty severe offensive limitations. But if we're going to be talking about him as like a first round guy, there's got to be like a real, real serious jump on offense that we don't typically see, which makes me wonder if we're just getting a little too excited with the idea of him as a this year guy versus like, let's just kind of see where it goes. So I like Arsenal a lot. He's still a guy I'm very intrigued with long-term. I, I love the defense so much that I, I think I ended up still ranking him pretty high, but I I do want to bet on him and I probably would if you, if, you know, if we had to do the draft right now, um, I, okay. I had him 39. I thought I might've had him the first, but yeah, I, I'm leery. Where are you at with Arsenal? I'm leery. If that's, okay. a, if that's, that's a word. Yeah. yeah. Um, dude, let, he was a highly thought of prospect and, and it wasn't just here. I believe what Sam Vecini was also a big Arsenal guy. Yeah. Uh, coming in the last year too right like very very smart people like him but this dude just cannot string consistent offensive play together at all i mean in transition maxwell he was in the 30th percentile in transition which like and we're this... talking about a really plus athlete like exactly uh, it's scary he's 
30th percentile transition, 29th in spot ups, 40. I'm sorry. Um, I, I have my notes swapped around here, but like his his highest grade in any offensive skill set was in the 49th percentile, right? Like oh. that's his high, like the best, the thing that he did best was in the 49th percentile. That offensive feel is just so low to me, man. Like mm-hmm. it's not just the dribbling. It's like, it's the whole dribble pass shoot aspect of it. Right. And <laughs> it's the play side of offense. It's the whole, it it's, along. The whole yeah. it's the whole, Either you putting the ball in the hoop or you mm-hmm. getting the ball to somebody else to put the ball in the hoop that, that needs to improve. And I just can't help but think about the guy that we just got done talking about and Kevin yeah. McCuller, who yeah. can't sh- who is a better shooter, mm-hmm. but passes, dribbles, cuts, like does all these things on the offensive side, and is still a really good defender. Now I will say that Arsenal, I think, has the physical tools to be pretty daggum good at the defensive side of things, yeah. but I mean, he was a net neutral assist to turnover ratio guy, which I mean is better than being the you know in the negative. The mm-hmm. shot just feels a ways away for me, man. But I do, I am with you on the defensive side of things. I do think that he is a very good defender. But Houston's bringing in like more freshmen now, and they're That's and they're gets tricky, they're, and they're getting transfers in now, and they have guys that they have trusted in their system still on this team. So it's like how does he even get the opportunity to show that he is making these improvements? I mean, are you playing him against Jojo Tugler? I mean, that, that dude's getting a lot of buzz right now, That's man. Like, like we might have, yeah, Tugler. We might've messed up not talking about him in the top freshman. Like he yeah. is, he's looking good, man, but he's, he's so, so good. And so big. And like, even if you're talking about him, like, cause like this is again, a shorter Houston team. Like they've got the tallest guy on the roster is Jacob McFarland, who's six ten. Yeah, I saw Jacob McFarland at Under Armour. I like him a lot, like longer term. Very raw, like very big yeah. pogo stick kind of guy, but real thin. Like not a lot of offensive stuff to him. Um, guys like Tugler and like even like Javier Francis was like just yeah. so nasty. And like same with Juwan Roberts. That it's like you've got those three guys that I think are gonna like play. Like because Tugler's mm-hmm. got like that what is like a seven, five wingspan. It's he's ridiculous. It's stupid. Like just like one of those guys that it's like, if you, if someone made that player in 2k, you'd be furious. Like you'd be like, of no, course. there can't be a guy with arms that long. Like <laughs> it's, it's insane. Uh, and he really knows that he's doing out there on defense. Again, a guy who's kind of offensively raw, but um, so then, okay. So it's like, okay, well then he's playing like the guard and wing minutes. It's like, okay, well you got Jamal Shad, who's, you know, proven himself time and again for this Houston team. You've got LJ Cryer, who's long been one of the best scorers in the Big 12. You've got Damian yep. Dunn, who really filled it up. Love him, hit, by the way. Hit Temple. And then all, yeah, me too. And like all of a sudden, you're in a situation where it's like, is he the seventh man on this team? Like, that's what I'm saying. Is that, is that, that realistic? Like, he might get, he might get kind of squeezed. Like, he's going to get to play, but there's a chance that like he's not a very big priority for this team if, if the offense isn't there because between Shed, Cryer, Dunn, like, you're getting plenty of offense there. You're going to get the cleanup stuff from Roberts and Francis. Maybe if the shot is going for Arsenal, he gets those minutes as like kind of a floor spacer guy. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think it's like a sure thing that he is getting a huge role on this team. And that's scary. Like I, again, I will once again say I, I am very interested in him as a yeah. long-term prospect, but given the offensive limitations, like it just feels like there's a lot that has to go right. 
like when I see him mocked in the first round places. And like and that's if he's and solid that's this year, like I, I I still might be willing to bet on him there, but depend like like we said again, depending on how all all of it shakes out, but he's gonna have to take a pretty serious offensive leap. And that's my thing is like I have him 58th on my board right now, which is still draftable because thanks to reasons that punishment exists in the NBA for tampering, we just like take opportunities away from people trying to make it into the NBA. Um, still going to be drafted uh, on my board as of today. But what's the likelihood that he makes? Like we're talking about a complete offensive overhaul in one offseason, yeah. Maxwell. Like that's I I don't I don't because I don't think it needs to be that. Like I literally think he can just shoot. And I'm really interested on one of those like four year second round deals. Like I, okay. if he shoots, I would love him on like a Jordan Walsh contract where it's like the four year guarantee. Like because at that point we're talking about a guy with like plus physical tools, really great defense. And then, you know, if the shots there, well then maybe we just throw him in the G league and, and we see what we can get out of the rest of his skill development a year or two from now. Like I, okay. I would love that. Um, so I, I really only need the shot to buy in, I think. Um, but even then, like it's still, you know, a little more project even than you might like. Um, just, yeah, we're just opposite ends of where we view them at, which is yeah. which what makes our show awesome, dude. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. we just went from having opposite views on McCullough <laughs> to Arsenal. But I'm yeah. sure we're going to agree with this next guy. I'm sure we're going to be hand, I, hand in hand I here. I think we both like this next guy quite a bit. Yeah. Dylan Jones. Okay. I really considered first round grade on Dylan Jones and I, yeah. depending on the team, I'd probably take him in the first. Like if I'm a contender and I'm in the first, I'm probably picking him over a lot of those guys I have in the back half of the first. So Dylan Jones, six foot six, two thirty five out of Weber state. Um, he is, I believe going into his senior year this season. Um, yep. Yeah. he, is a guy that I covered for No Son and Turned like a year ago. And then I like stupidly slept on him the entire next season. I was like, all oh, the shots not going in. And then like goes to the combine and tears it up. And I felt like a big dummy uh, for not hyping him up more uh, after I covered him early. But he is a really stellar player. And I think what took me yeah. by surprise was he came to the combine in stellar shape. Like he mm-hmm. came to the combine looking lean, looking fast, was making plays on the ball defensively that like, he had really good steal rates at Weber State, but it was a lot of just like he's smarter than everybody on the floor. He's figuring stuff out. Where at the combine, it was like, oh, he outquicked a guy and got to the ball. Like it was, it was different. Um, he is a very, very productive player. So Dylan Jones yes. last year, sixteen point seven points, almost eleven rebounds per game, almost four assists, and one point six steals. Um, one of the best rebounders in the country, like just really throws his body on guys and makes stuff happen on the glass. Um, I love his feel as a passer. Like we mentioned, like almost four assists a game, very good at changing speeds, playing low with the ball, having a good handle, having counters, using his strength to his advantage when he has a strength advantage, very clever in terms of just finding unique passing angles, a lot to like about his game. The shots a little confusing. I think I buy it ultimately. We're now two years in a row of over 80% at the free throw line. He just doesn't get clean looks like just doesn't get open off the catch threes because when teams like Weber state, they're just pressing up on him the entire game. Uh, so I think, I think that makes life a little bit difficult for him. 
He's been a low blunks guy. Uh, the the block plus dunks <laughs> that you phrase that you coined a year ago. Uh, I love that you brought that back. Got to bring up blunks. He's been a low blunk guy, but here's the thing. We mentioned the shape he got into in the combine. He still looks like that. Like the pictures that have come out of the Weber state workouts. He still looks like that dude. So if he's blocking shots and he's finishing above the rim, like that is unquestionably a first round guy to me. Um, yeah. My question basically is just like, what is he going to look like defensively? And where does his motor settle to? Because that was something that was like, mm. I think it was part of the body issue is like, he'd been for lack of a better term, just kind of a heavy player the last few years. He had a lot of extra, extra weight on him. And because of that, like there'd be times where he just wasn't running up and down the court. It's kind of slow to get back on defense. Now that he's in shape, I think if he can play with a high motor consistently and show a little bit more as a shot blocker, as an above the rim player, um, given his feel and just how much he does on the court, I would have a really hard time letting him fall out of the first round. Yeah. So I'm going to be completely honest. I have him in the back half of my second round. Okay. I think, I think that the offensive, like, complimentary stuff right like mm -hmm. specifically that's the floor very space. fair mm -hmm. i think like the complimentary offensive game has to be there because what really fascinates a lot of people is how much of a an offensive motor like this guy is for his team right like mm -hmm. he does everything but what's it like when he doesn't have the ball so much yeah. you know when we haven't had to worry about that you know we we look at the weaver state commitment and everything that he's doing there I think that that's fantastic that he's showing loyalty. There's a lot of great qualities that you can kind of derive from that decision. The only question that I have, Maxwell, is like, what does it look like when he's not the the number one guy on mm. a team, right? I mean, because we we know what it looks like now. He's 17, 11, and 5 guy shooting 46, 30, and 81. Very good rebounder and passer. Um, great understanding of knowing how to put the defensive tough spots. Like, he can leverage his passing for his scoring scoring for his passing high free throw rate guy like just relentlessly yeah. put pressure on the defense all the time has good size and a strong frame a uh, decent steal numbers i think that he's more comfortable in the paint defensively than he is at open space so that kind of like questions me a little bit of uh, in terms of like the three and d quality to his game is like is he defending guards is he defending wings is he defending forwards i think depending on who he's matched up against you're probably gonna have quite different results right um another recent of another recent example though maxwell of a guy who can do everything but shoot right like he reminds me a lot mm -hmm. of what jalen slauson was like last year right because he yeah yeah kind of the same thing for Furman last year right um he's undoubtedly a smart player man but like do you think that his weaknesses kind of overshadow the things that he does well or do you think that yeah. he can kind of like spike them a little bit i think i think he can do it like and maybe i'm putting way too much stock into a combine performance but i think between like the measurements how much yeah. quicker he looked and then how the shot looked there i'm willing to buy that like this is the opposite of like the kobe johnson problem right where it's like okay well he does he does a, really good at the, the few things he gets to do so like can you do that at the next level where this is like can you scale it back and i i would much rather take that kind of bet generally yeah um I do think he can. I think he's sharp enough to figure that stuff out. I think who he guards is a fair question. I think he's probably going to guard like twos and threes, which is kind of crazy because mm -hmm. it's so much different yeah. than what he does now. But 
Um, and it's going to be different than who he guards in that conference. Just it's, it's smaller league. Like he's, he's going to be playing teams where like a lot of teams have a six, six power forward. Um, I, yeah, I, I think that's a, a fair concern though, if the, especially if like the three ball isn't falling and it's going to be tough. Cause like we said, like he's not going to get a lot of open looks, but I think the biggest thing he can do is just hit threes this year. Like if he just hits yeah. his threes, like it's going to be really easy to buy in. And if he does that and he's in shape and he's moving, he's good to go. But yeah, I, I think the, what does it look like in a reduced role thing is a, is a real question for him. So I got two things just before I, I'm, I'm done on the, on the Dylan mm-hmm. Jones conversation. One, the best role players in the NBA were the stars on their team, right? In yep. college. So Dylan Jones obviously has that going for him. Right. But it's kind of the player type that is very fun to watch and like very captivating. I mean, Vince Williams Jr. was like the apple of yeah. my eye for VCU. And again, I was a big Jalen Slauson guy too. Mm. These kind of like guys who were probably better off being NBA fours, in my opinion, based on what they bring to the table, who are a little bit undersized, who who aren't the most reliable shooters and kind of rely on being able to just do all these great things with the ball, like translating up it it's not really hitting at a rate that I think that we would like to see. And I just, I really do hope though that Dylan Jones can kind of buck that trend because he's just so much fun to watch, man. And I do love how much fire he plays with how competitive he is Mm -hmm. for sure. So we're going to do one more break. Uh, Then we're going to go to a guy I'm obscenely high on. It's kind of interesting guy, some sleepers and, uh, and we'll get to it. So we are going to come back on the other side of the break. We will be right back. All right. Let's talk about Dalton Connect. Uh, I've talked about Dalton Connect. I don't think that we've uh, mentioned yeah. him at all. So I've, I've spent a lot of time on him. I have not shut up about Dalton Connect since I watched him this summer. Uh, a lot for my no stone on turn series and wrote about him then uh, six foot six, 213 pounds uh, going to be a graduate at Tennessee scored 28 points in an exhibition game against Michigan state had a dunk that went all over the place. Here's the thing with all connect. He was like a 39% three point shooter last year, really good off the dribble, really good off the catch met a like dunks in threes threshold where it was like him, Ochai and Mikhail bridges. Yeah. Those kind of guys that are that athletic, that have that kind of shooting touch, I just don't think fail. Um, I understand like the defensive playmaking metrics were not good. Um, to me, on that end, I don't think he's bad. I think it, he just like didn't really play that hard. Um, he's not a guy who falls asleep off the ball. He doesn't like play poorly at the point of attack or let himself get beat. I think he just kind of coasted on that side of the floor for lack of a better term. I don't think it's a negative. Um, Given the profile is like an unreal athlete, a guy who also just had a late growth spurt, like was five foot four as a freshman high school and didn't become six foot six until his freshman year of college. I buy the late bloomers. I buy a guy who's a three level scorer. Like he has, like I mentioned, Ochai Baji, like Dalton connect might not finish at the rim. Like Ochai might not be the defender that Ochai was, but he's got a bag that Ochai didn't have. He can really do stuff in the mid range can really like put it on the floor and beat guys. He blew by guys like Dylan Jones and Grant Nelson, like high level athletes last year. 
to get to the rim and dunk between what he does in the half court as a scorer, a shooter, the athleticism, these guys don't fail. I have him 20th on my board. I think he mm. is like 100% a guy who is going to contribute on good NBA teams. So that's my Dalton connect piece. Where are you at with, with connect? So I'm going to go ahead and say the part that you're going to hate the most. I have him 42nd on my board. Sickening. <laughs> I, yeah. It's, I'm, I'm, I know I'm way high on him. So, but I really like him. Like I am not ruling out a first round result in him at mm-hmm. all. You know, he's, very good size and he is an athlete you know can we not do the whole he's white sneaky athlete like, <laughs> no he is, he's just an athlete dude I'm he is just a, he is just an athlete you talked about him being like a 38 39 three-point shooter last year while having 26 dunks on the year that's that's remarkable can we what's the three-point dunk is that thrunks or is that going to be the one that we do yeah this he's, year? A, he's a thrunks guy big time thrunks he's guy. a big thrunks and, guy and yeah. i was like too like i i did the film like a lot of film work on him so many of those were in the half court. Like very yeah. few were actually in transition. These were him beating guys off the dribble and doing it in traffic. Yeah, and he looked great. You 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 mentioned the Michigan State game. Like he looked great there. And I can I just say I love the decision to go to Tennessee because if you look at the different sets that they run for like a guy like Santiago Vescovi or even you know the the kind of bully ball aspect of you know Josiah Jordan James, I think that. Don't connect can thrive in a bunch of different like already instilled Tennessee play play types that they run all the time there. I, I just I love that decision. I think it's a perfect marriage there. Um, I do like the complimentary playmaking that he has. An, another good rebounder, a very high rebound guy. Uh, defense looks like it's going to be neutral at best, but we're talking about a really capable shooter with complimentary uh, shooting. I mean, I'm p- passing and handle on top of the shooting and can do some away from the ball work as well. Again, 42nd on my board, very, very capable of moving up. There are just several wings in this class that have similar size and um, very skilled in a lot of different regards. And I think that that's going to be the fun of this draft class. Maxwell is kind of going through all these guys with size this year and kind of tearing them off a little bit. And I, I wouldn't rule out Dalton kind of being a, a, a quick riser on my board. No, I, I think that's completely reasonable. Um, let's let's kind of roll right to the next guy if you're cool with it, because he's he's somebody that I think is sort of in a similar place. Um, that's Alex Caravan at UConn, who's another one of these guys where I feel like I go back and forth on him. Where like sometimes I'm like, oh, mid second, and sometimes I'm I'm a little hung up on some of the stuff he doesn't have. So. Alex Caravan was part of the national championship team at UConn. He's going to be back for his sophomore season. He is older. I believe he had a red shirt year in there and like was kind of older for his class in general before that. Yeah. Um, so I believe he's going to be like 21 or so or under draft time. Six foot eight, 220 pounds, high skill, high feel and tall, which is generally just like a safe bet. Um, yep. 47.6% from the field, 40.2% from three, 80.9% from the free throw line last year. Um, last year, there were four freshmen in the country that posted like shooting splits in that vicinity. Um, it was Alex Caravan. It was Cade Tyson at Belmont, Grady Dick, and Bryce Sensabaugh. So like one of the most efficient guys. In like the all those guys. Yeah. I made freshmen. So 
really good at filling it up at every level sneaky offensive glass guy like really good at just being like oh there's not a body there i'm gonna go in i'm gonna grab that one and put it right back um has a little bit of shoot movement shooting to him he's not fast so he's not going to be a guy that like you run off a million screens but if he's setting an action if he's setting a pick if he's coming off of something if he's flaring he's gonna be able to set his feet i love his shot prep footwork and get that sucker off clean um i do wonder if he's able to scale up because like like a sharp passer too can like put it on the floor a little bit um it's kind of the, the Kobe Johnson question again, right? Where it's just like, okay, well, how much more is this? Like, is he just really yeah. good at playing this role? And if he is, can he do this role at the next level? Or like when the athleticism has to be a bigger part of his game, when he has to create a little bit more for himself, like, is he able to do any of that? And if not, is there enough on the other side of the ball that he can stay afloat while being really good at the stuff that he does? I think the defense is pretty solid. I actually think I underrated him on, on my most recent report that I submitted, which I, I hate to say, but he, him and another guy we're going to talk about are two guys who are just like, I think I sagged on that guy a little too much. I think he knows how to defend within a team construct. I think he did okay against smaller players. He's not going to like get up and swat guys or be like a yeah. big weak side rim protection guy. Um, the steal rate's always going to be kind of low, just cause, like he's not going to be a guy that darts into passing lanes or anything like that. Um I, I think he can stay afloat on that end. I just have a question about like, does the offense scale up when he's not like, I, I know, I know the shot went into the high clip, but it's just like how much, how much versatility is there to how he gets to his three point shots? Or is he a guy that just kind of eats off of what everybody else cooks? I think that that's totally fair. It's, it's not so much that you can be a three point shooter in the NBA Maxwell. It's like, how versatile are you within that three-point shot? Are you solely a guy that has to be set up? Can you put the ball on the ground for, you know, a sidestep or, you know, uh, you know, kind of an evasive dribble and then get back up into your shot? Are you capable of running off screens? You know, there there's that whole aspect. And then there's the what else-ness that you bring to your game. But I'm a fan of Caravan, dude. Like, I have him 43rd on my board. I know that might not scream me being a fan, mm-hmm. but I do, I do like his game. A knockdown shooter that played with a ton of poise on a championship team as a freshman last year has the length and shooting consistency to be on an NBA team. I, I wholeheartedly feel that like six foot eight and can shoot the way that he does. That is going to be incredibly valuable to a lot of teams. You can you can get real creative with a guy his size at, at that length. Um, would like to see him grow as a passer and a rebounder uh, this season. Although he did okay in those areas last year, it's not like he was a, a, a zero or a dud in those oh, areas. Uh, I would just like to see him grow in that area, get a little bit more this year with him coming back. I um, would like to see him use his size to improve a little bit on the interior. Uh, doesn't get to the free throw line much. Could improve with some more development. I think that he's just going to be a guy that makes life simpler for a guy like Stephon Castle or Adana McClingan. Like When you got guys on this team like UConn does with Calcaterra, with Springer, and Caravan, and then you're running that pick and roll with, with Castle and Klingon. It's going to be pretty nasty. It's going to be scary hours uh, for for the UConn Huskies. I just think that you know, with the moments that he has in team defense where he looks okay, like you mentioned, being held afloat. Uh, worry about his movement. I do worry about his movement uh, to defend on an mm-hmm. island, despite the tools that he has with a decent block rate. I just 
mid second round pick on a on a guy like him. I know he's like close to that, like twenty one age, so he's almost admitted into being in an elderly home. But like, I do think <laughs> that he can. I do still think that he has stuff to offer the earth on an NBA basketball team, and uh, I think that a team with multiple seconds, you could do well to add a six foot eight floor spacer on your team, yeah. and I think that he could definitely be that guy. Yeah, I think where it's going to be tricky is like, yeah, he's going to need to show more on a team where I don't know that he's going to get it. Because like, obviously, like we, we mentioned when we talked about uh, Stefan Kess, like the differences between him and Andre Jackson, but like he's going to have the ball a lot. Tristan Newton's going to have the ball a lot. They've got Camp Spencer coming over from Rutgers. Oh. Like he's going to have the ball a decent amount. So then like if Caravan doesn't get on the ball more, like he really can't afford any regression from the three point. That's like, true. He's got to yeah. be like above, like in that, like 38 and up range and like kind of show stuff on defense. So I think there's worlds where maybe he's still another year or two away. Um, And if he is, that's fine. Like he'll be, he'll be an older prospect when he comes out. But I, if that happens, but I I think he's a really interesting case study because if there is like that step forward, because you kind of just was so talented last year, like maybe there is more that we just didn't get to see. And if that's the case, then it's going to be tough to pass on a high field guy that shoots like that. That's that big. Um, Let's go to Reese Beekman uh beekman is another guy where i felt like i was maybe a little lower than a lot of people among our crew so i like reese beekman as like a two-way guy i don't know that i want to like draft him yeah i i i know that that might be a little harsh but uh six foot three around 194 uh going back for a senior year at virginia obviously he's an outstanding defensive player um was writing um, my piece for well it's gonna be today by the time you're listening to this um in kind of previewing a lot of the big games this week and games that should be watched and one thing that came up on reese that was crazy to me was that opponents turned it over 33.7 percent of the time in pick and roll against yep. him like really really good at just forcing people to make mistakes career steal and block rate uh steal rate of 3.5 blocker of 2.1 like that is Jalen Suggs, like Davion Mitchell kind of territory on those two numbers. So like, obviously a very good defensive player, super cerebral as a passer. And like that dazzled at the combine too. Like he is a very sharp passer, really good at finding those windows, really good at the pocket passing um, 5.2 assists to 1.5 turnovers last year. Where it gets tricky is, is there like enough offensive complementary juice um, so he was a 35% three point shooter last year, but the volume was really low. Um, and that's kind of toward the higher end. I believe he struggled with some injuries last year, but he's still really below the rim inside the arc and he's not that fast. So where a guy like an Alex Caruso or a Damian or D'Anthony Melton or like some of these like defense guards make their yep. mint like, I just don't think he has the athletic juice that those guys do. And I think without that, I don't know that like I'm enamored enough with the rest of the game. I know he's like a really sharp player, but if he's not like a 38% three point shooter on decent volume, I'm just not like tripping over myself to get that guy. When I have that question about that type of player. Yeah. He's 50th on my border and I wouldn't be surprised Mm -hmm. if he moved in either direction. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. He could he could climb, but he could certainly drop out as well. You know, he's a high IQ player, knows how to generate points from good defense, had 11 dunks on the year. That's higher than several players, Maxwell, that well, we've actually talked think, yeah. about. Yeah, higher than some of the players that we've talked about today, right? And 
that being at, he might be six three. You know, um, I love the passing instincts, although the bag on the types of passes that he kind of hits just aren't top tier. If if that matters at all to you for a guard, um, moves his feet well on defense, can be irritating in the passing lanes for any offense that he's lined up against. Pretty good block rate too. Uh, again, he's just an incredible defender. Um, bag though is not very advanced for a lead guard. He's a good athlete, but not one of these like omnidirectional water bugs. Rebounding numbers, yes, even for a guard. They weren't great last year, so another good athletic indicator too. 40% from the field, 35% from deep last year, which was a career high, by the way. So you're talking about a guy who has improved each year, but even at his best so far, around 35% from the college three-point line. On low volume too. On low volume, yeah, so... Insert more undersized guard concerns here. You know, you got the ball skill, you got the athleticism, and you got the shooting. I just don't know how you survive in today's NBA at six foot three when those are your biggest concerns coming in. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I just don't. Yeah, I think that's fair. But then, it, like at a certain point, like you said, like you had him like fifty, I got him like sixty-two or something like that. Like at a certain point, like it's just kind of worth the stab, right? Like if he's so yeah. good at defense and such a high field passer, like. Maybe you just bank on, hey, hopefully a year from now we get the shot where we want it. So yeah, Jacob Gilliard is still getting burned in the NBA. And like I don't mean that as like a diss. Like he's he's so good defensively that teams are willing to put him in, you know? Mm -hmm. And even like um like Trey Jones like kind of had similar questions. I think Trey's a better athlete, but like same thing. Like if, if you can be really good at defense. And like, if you can just figure out the shot enough, and if Trey Jones scored like 16 points per game, where Reese is scoring like nine, so like, like we said, that juice has to come along. But it's, I think, I don't think it's like unreasonable for him to get to a, a point uh, where not at all he's seeing you know a, a long term NBA career. Let's get into uh, kind of deep cut sicko territory with these last two. Yeah. So I'm gonna let you take the lead on this one because this was your guy. Uh, Guillermo Diaz Graham, uh, seven feet tall, 220, going to be a sophomore at Pittsburgh. Uh, let's get, give people the rundown on him because I think a lot of people might not be familiar. Yeah, so he's just awesome. Like, that's where, <laughs> <laughs> that's where I would start. Um, he's probably one of the best, um, maybe maybe worst kept secrets now uh, in, in basketball. He's, he's probably not a secret anymore as much as, you know, like myself, Corey and Evan been hyping him up. Uh, all throughout the preseason. He's also got a twin brother, Jorge, who's also a pretty talented cat as well. I think that Evan is more in the camp of hyping up Jorge because I think Corey and I kind of got it covered for the uh, Guillermo uh, conversation. But there's just there's just so much to like about him, man. First off, he's got the skill at his size that is similar to that of a Chet Holmgren and Evan Mobley, other malleable build, bigs of that ilk. I know that that's like, kind of blasphemy for a lot of people to hear but watch the film man because i mean you're looking at a pretty fluid dude i just shout out at cast i love the way he moves uh definitely skinny but the reports is that he has added about 20 pounds of muscle he and his brother both uh adding 20 pounds in the off season that is nice that is what i like to hear Uh, good ball tracking defensively has good passing feel can shoot can you see where i'm coming with the chet holmgren you know, kind of niceties to his game uh, could be the player this year, Maxwell, that I think could really wreck some boards. Like he and his brother both, I think, could really wreck some draft boards coming through the year. 
I'm trying to be conservative and trying not to just be like, this guy is Chet Holmgren, so therefore mm-hmm. I have to put yeah, him yeah. this high. I don't think that he is, but they're again not just play style, but even physically, like watching them move on the court. There's some kind of Chet light going on there. I have him 48th on my board. Ooh, okay. I think that Corey has him like even higher than that. And I mm-hmm. respect him for going with this gut a little. He's more brave than me right now. Don't be surprised if this guy comes screaming up boards this year because yeah. he he has what NBA teams want. And for whatever reason, like he's not discussed a lot. So so I see the vision. He is similar to Zach Austin on the same team. A watchless guy for me. Pittsburgh is like a sneaky, you got to watch him yep. this year. Cause they've got him. They've obviously got Jorge. They've got Zach Austin. Who's like transferred from high point. Who like was crazy productive. Um, I like Federico Federico too. Who's like their other big man. Like they've, they've got guys uh, Blake mm-hmm. Hinson who like, by the way, insane career, like plays Jr., years yeah. Ole Miss. Yeah. Double red shirt years at Iowa state transfers to Pitt and was great last year um this is a really talented pit team like pit is going to be good and if you're interested in the nba draft like a team i recommend watching um so with guillermo i like his ups i love his hands really good hands like has no problem just snagging the ball with one and really good on the offensive glass um the shot like percentage wise wasn't great but just those guys shoot such a nice easy ball like with a quick release that like kind of think that's going to get better um it's very interesting you mentioned that he filled out his body because that was like my one concern was that like he's got to fill out his body so that he can score more efficiently inside. And I think he can be a bit awkward in space. Like I, I don't yeah. love the movement defensively. I think that's like the big difference between like where I view him versus other people on our crew is I'm a little bit lower on the defensive movement. If he is that much bigger, it might not matter because then it's just like you just play him at the five. Like if he's listed at like 245, then you playing at center like if if that's what he's working with so i'm intrigued i'm intrigued i wouldn't say i'm like where where some of the guys in our crew are on him and i you and Corey got all three guys with good track records (laughs) kind of finding these under the radar guys so i'm i'm definitely interested but i'm not fully sold at this stage um just because i want to see i want to see the shot match what it looks like and i want to see just what he is on defense at this point track like I don't think he's a bad defender. Like, I think he knows what he's yeah. doing out there, but I'm just not quite clear on what the NBA role on that side is because I don't love him in space. And it, it just looked like he was a little too easy to move on the inside at the moment. But hey, we'll we'll see. And you got a uptick in usage stuff too. Like, not everything translates in a linear fashion, right? Like, where if usage mm-hmm. is going up, efficiency and everything is going to climb. So trust me there. Like, this is why I'm trying to taper like my, my emotions about having him where I do and kind of like that mid second round conversation right now but i'm high in a lot of aspects of his game but there there's reasons to approach it with a more sober and conservative mindset for sure so let's do uh my sleeper and then we'll get out of here so my guy i went with was amari williams and this is a guy that i i go back and forth on him a lot and as soon as i submitted my board i was like i think i put him too low um I think I've had him like in the eighties. So Amari is that he's going to be a senior Drexel. He's six ten. He's around like two fifty five, two sixty five, somewhere in that range. Um, he is NBA big and a freaky good mover for somebody his size. Like 
unbelievable when guarding down the lineup. Like his feet look like CGI sometimes. Like he can really switch on to smaller players and just make them sweat. Um, there, so I, I just want to read like an episode. I covered him for No Sun and Turn, and like there was just like an excerpt I wanted to share where he. So first off, he's like the only big man in like the last. I think it was like I, I searched over like 10 years and there never been anybody that matched his combination of like steal rate, block rate, assist rate, 8.3 block rate, 3.1 steal rate, 20.9% assist rate. It's six foot 10, like can pass, makes a ton of plays on defense, had the best defensive rating in the country last season. So like we're just looking at a guy with NBA size who's an unbelievable defensive player and has passing feel like, yeah, when I, when I really think about it, it's like, damn, like I want to, I want to draft that guy. Um, there are other times where he's just offensive efficiency isn't great. And my big hang up with him is just like, he settles for a lot of jump shots and like elbow shots. And like he runs out of the post a lot. And with that, it's just like, well, it's, it's the same thing I asked about Holmes. Like, is that how you want to play? Or is that how you play? Because you're on, a low major team and the best way to win is just like dump a big strong guy the ball on the block and let him eat alive a much smaller player like there's gonna have to be a change to his offensive approach but i put in the article at the time like it, the phrase that chuck from chuck and dart used all the time is like when players tell you they're great like listen to that and it's like mm. well what else can this man do on the defensive end before i'm like you know what like you just gotta take him top 60 because he is so good at one thing but then again, he's playing at Drex. Like, but then again, he was good against like all the high major teams they played. Yeah. Which almost a double double against them. I'm talking myself in circles. Where are you at with Amari Williams? I have him 145th on my board. And Maxwell, like yep. you know that when you get to a certain point on your board, like the numbers are bigger than the margins would actually otherwise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. Makes sense, like the right? gap like, between like 145 and 80 is like minuscule it's razor thin, but eventually like you get to the point where you got to slap a number next to a dude and it's, uh, it can be reductive uh, at face value, right? A very good rebounder, very good defender, fantastic athlete that puts pressure on the rim. Um, more feel like you mentioned than you would otherwise indicate based on just watching him be a nasty basketball player, right? Like you look at like that raw physicality in his game, and then you can you see these flashes that he's capable of on the offensive end. It's like you would never put those two things together. I I think that he could be a bit turnover prone, but it, I don't know how much yeah, of that yeah. is because he is a big man that is like the fulcrum of the of the team. So that could be kind of uh, the the reasoning behind the the output there. Uh, the touch is going to be I think a big concern for teams, right? So. He was 81st percentile at the rim, only 53rd in layups, 75th in dunks. So I think that the touch has to be the thing that gets better, right? Because at a certain point, you can only be so good defensively. And even if you can move the ball a little bit, like you have to be able to do a little bit on the offensive end. And that's where like I have him in this kind of let's wait and see, let's kind of prove it like, I'm sure you're the same way, Maxwell. Like in that same range, you have a whole bunch of guys that you could easily see yeah. vaulting right up your board into draftable territory, right? So I he's one of these guys that you spoke very highly of, and that put him like immediately on my watch list. And 
I, I was like, okay, like I like this guy. The whole Drexel thing does play a little bit of a factor in it, but I'm very intrigued like to watch him and monitor him because he could much like, like this is the reason why they're the sickos or the sleepers to us between, you know, uh, Diaz Graham and Amari Williams is like, I see either one of these guys just come screaming up draft boards like super quick throughout mm-hmm. this process. Yeah. I, and there were two games that I noted on their schedule. Like when I'm doing my, my sicko schedule organizing, which I talk about in my column this week was like, they play temple pretty early in the year and they play West mm-hmm. Virginia, like in December and West Virginia has been like, just a lot of problems like with well they got jesse edwards now right yeah yeah, i believe they do like they've had a lot of like weird roster stuff like they're not they're not the team i thought they might be like a couple months ago just because of attrition and transfer waivers and all sorts of stuff but like jesse edwards and coca cook uh if he can be healthy i I, he i believe had an event where he clefts on the court unfortunately yeah Uh, but quinn uh slzinski is there like there are guys with size on that team that should give us a real indication as to like, what does this look like against like really good athletes? So yeah. very interested to see him. Um, let's wrap it up here. Just like any rapid fire guys that like you've been thinking about lately or that you're like, Oh, we kind of like this guy. Oh man. I mean, so many, so many, let me pull up my board here. Let's do some bad podcasting. Yeah. Um, uh, PJ Hall is mine. I love Dude, PJ I love Hall. PJ. Are you okay? I yeah. PJ. PJ Hall is getting a raw deal. I wrote about it in my column this week. Like PJ Hall is like same same camp is like uh like I feel like Dylan Jones to a degree and like even like Coleman Hawkins where it's like had a really good combine and everyone is just back to being like all right, see you later. And it's like wait, no, yeah. no, wait, hold on. Hold on. That guy was just really good. But on the court with a bunch of pros, Cliff Amori is another one of those guys too. Where it's I like, love Cliff. Wait, we just saw this guy like do really well, and like nobody's nobody's ranking him. But I like John John I Broom too. I think that he has John like Broom? a very yeah. Like, he could be an NBA pro. Like guy. yeah, another combine guy. Like he could he could easily be an NBA big, and it's just kind of like out there in the open. And it's like who's. I don't think that anybody wants to be the guy that bets on him, but the one that does is going to be like made to be like a, a, a genius. He's How do you feel be, about? Yeah, like it feels like he's one of those guys. Who's like he's going to be fine, and then it's like oh, I didn't, I didn't. Yeah, I don't want to draft a guy who I know is going to be fine, but then like yeah, you're going to draft somebody who sucks. <laughs> and then, yeah, because he he might be what Ibroom. John Ibroom actually is. Yeah, John Ibroom's going to get signed to an X10 that gets converted to a two way, and then like get a real contract in the, the next year. What do you think about Tafali Leonard was supposed to do all kinds of stuff yes. in school. And now he, if I'm Jimmy not mistaken, draft. was a sec. Yeah. He was second round pit or second pick overall by the South Bay Lakers. Yeah. He went early in that. I'm really interested. I'm really interested to see. Cause like, I don't know a lot about middle Tennessee's like coaching. So I like, yeah, I know nothing about middle Tennessee's program. So I don't know like what the development was like there. I'm really interested to see just what a pro program can do for him because he is so athletic and like, I, yeah, like I, I'd, I'd heard positive things about like what his shot looked like and things like that. And then he just really didn't shoot it last year. So I was a little dismayed yeah. and then, you know, it was going to transfer that didn't happen and, you know, a little tumultuous kind of situation there, but I'm really interested in him. Like, if he has a good G League year, I'd have no problem slapping a draftable grade on a guy like that because the physical tools are outrageous. Yeah, he's in my top 100, and he just like mm-hmm. if a Spider-Man symbiote like played basketball, like I think it would look like to follow Leonard. Man, like he he is just 
ridiculous, like super elastic, like ultimately is going to come down to the shot like like it does with almost every other prospect that we talk about. But man, I just, um, I just, if you talk about a sleeper, this is the ultimate pathway for a sleeper, right? Like mm-hmm. was like a mid-major darling was supposed to play at a high major school, ends up going to, to be drafted in the G League by the South Bay Lakers and then just somehow ends up in the NBA. I think that that could be like a, they could make a movie about that depending on how good yeah. this goes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, Let's, let's wrap it up. So Steven, what have you got uh, in the works this week for no ceilings NBA.com? Yeah. So um, tomorrow, by the time everyone is listening to this on the podcast for first off, the live comments have been quite awesome. So thank you for everybody who's watching live over on our No Ceilings NBA Draft YouTube channel. So the channel name Maxwell has changed to No Ceilings NBA. So it is no longer No Ceilings Oh, my bad, my bad, my bad. (laughs) No, it's all good. Like That is a recent uh, development uh, for me as well. So um, on YouTube, thank you everybody for watching us live. But on the podcast you're listening tomorrow, I'm going to have, I think it's still early enough to do this, but basically it's like a, moves that I liked and moves that I didn't like. And I'm basically picking, you know, a couple handfuls of prospects and saying like, I agreed with your decision to go play for this school. I have questions about you playing for this school. Now the question aspect doesn't mean that like I'm slamming you for the decision or I don't think that it can work out. It's mainly just saying like, it's kind of more muddied than I think that it should be because of the decision you make. And I give a little bit of reasoning as to why. So having a little bit of fun with the season coming back and uh, ultimately gives me an opportunity to watch a week of college basketball now that that is kicked off and uh, really get to dive into some current draft cycle film, which I'm so, so, so psyched about. It was so cruel, too, that we got like a taste of G League Ignite. And then it was like, all right, see ya. We'll see you guys. Yeah. See you guys Later, in a Tater. And it's like, oh, yeah. thanks. Like, and yeah, it's oh, so, so frustrating. Um, and like, I feel like I get into ruts with guys too, where it's like, I'm just watching a bunch of Nicola topic right now. Like I'm just watching the NBL guys over and over again. It's like, it's going to be nice to yeah, like, get, a, get like a breather on those guys to an extent too. I have um, them in my lottery, which is scary. Maybe that is an indication of where we're at and like film watch, but yeah. He's he's 14th for me right now. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I, I think I got him like late 20s. I'm just got the shot. I, I worry about it. That's another time for another story for another day. Um, yeah, yeah. So college basketball is back, which we've talked about. I got really excited about that. So I wrote about the 10 must scout games this week. Mm. Um, this is coming from my perspective. So these are the games that I'm most interested in. Um, you only picked 10. It's from your I perspective. 10. I picked 10. Oh, yeah, okay. my, my schedule is ridiculous. I wrote it out. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I uh, these are the ten that I'm most excited about, and like whole, looking at the whole matchup. So I, like, unfortunately, UConn doesn't play anybody good. So like, UConn didn't have any games to make the list. I'm excited to scout UConn. I'm not super excited to watch them against Stonehill or whoever they're playing. You know what I mean? So who's the I, best player on Stonehill, Maxwell? I don't know. I wish I had a name for you. I'm gonna pull up their Bartorvik <laughs> right now and to see if there's a guy on Stonehill that I know. They're projected to finish 339th in the country this season. That's that's a number. I do not know any of these players. Uh, yeah, that is saying I, a lot. That I don't yeah. know any of them. Like, and not even like a like occasionally I got look at Skobeck. I, 
I almost looked at that guy. So I'm for no stone. I the stone hill. I, I'm yeah. sorry guys. Um, so yeah, 10 games that I'm really looking forward to. I threw some games in there that I feel like I haven't seen a lot of buzz about. Like, for example, I wrote about like Providence versus Milwaukee, which I think is a really ooh, interesting game. Clemson yeah. versus UAB. Like there's some games where it's like, Ooh, we're going to get to see some like fun tests for guys early in the year. So go check that out. That'll be up by the time you're listening. Um, and then, yeah, make sure you're tuned in to No Ceilings Plus as well, because I know Tyler Rucker has yeah. an NBA development piece coming out this week. I dropped an extra No Sun on Turn last week, so make sure you're plugged in over there. No Ceilings NBA on YouTube, no ceilingsnba.com. Uh, subscribe to the Substack. If you want to join No Ceilings Plus, all the better, because you're going to get bonus content uh, pretty consistently from us over there as well. Uh, anything else we got to plug, Steven? Follow Steven at Steven G Hoops, me at Boundboards. Yep. Thank you. Um, I believe that we have our boards are going to become available soon. So that's, that's yes. an exciting development. Yeah. Mm. We should be dropping a big board very soon. Check newslingsnba.com uh, when you listen to this, cause it, it might be there. I'm not quite sure what the status of that is, but we've all submitted uh, for a consensus yeah. board. So stay tuned for that. Uh, until next time, make sure you're subscribed on all platforms and uh, tell all your friends, tell our friends to check out newslings NBA. Uh, and so until next time, we'll see you guys later. Peace. Much love, y'all.